As long as we can get the microphones in position, yeah, it would be great. You know, with something in the background. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna start we'll, saving we'll, we'll up because it. I'm financing this 50 percent at least. <laughs> anyway, sounds good. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. It's your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. How you doing today, Pat? I'm back. I'm in the studio. 93. Episode number 93. Sue. Was that what he wore? Nadamakan Sue. Did he sign with somebody? Did he sign with the Eagles? He did. I think he did, did he? sign okay. with the Eagles. Yeah, he's a pretty good player. Uh, you know, he, he is still good. Like he, he can clog up a hole for you. I feel like I saw him play live. I feel like... He was a uh, lion back when I was at a game a few years ago. Yeah, same. Pretty good player. Uh, very weird. You know he has a degree in construction management? No shit. Yeah. Oh, good for him. Actually, I might have made that up. We'll, we'll fact check that, and we'll see if it makes it into the episode. Sure. Anyways, that's the only player. I don't have any other players. Like, Tommy Togiai might wear 93, but he's kind of a bum. I don't know who else might wear 93 for the Browns. Um, Not sure if any Steelers players wear 93. 93 was the year I was born. I think... Don't quote me on this. I'm probably wrong, but I feel like Joe the Show might have wore 93. Oh my god! On, on the, when he played for the Steelers, Joe Showert, Joe uh, the yeah. Show. But I'm probably wrong about that. But is I don't he know, still I don't in know the league? Why. Has he flamed out by now? I think he's done. We've already talked about him on the podcast before. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we talked about him, and I think he wore 59, and you brought him up. Was it 59? Something. I don't weird. know why I'm thinking 93. Anyways, on to the news. On to the news. How many news stories you got? I brought three. I'm confident you're going to have at least one of these, though. Okay. Well, you can get started because I only have two. Awesome. My first one comes from Yahoo! New Rio Rancho UFO Organization hopes to open Center for Scholarly Research. Even though he serves as the executive director of the newly established National UFO Historical Records Center in Rio Rancho, David Marlowe insists he is not trying to change anyone's mind about whether extraterrestrial beings have visited Earth. The central pillar of what we're trying to do is simply preserve history, he said. We want to let them formulate their own opinions of what they think of the subject. That's really been my style over the years. I don't try to make people believe. I just try to provide information and let them arrive at their own conclusions. When skeptics are introduced to Marlowe and learn about the nature of his work, they said they often make a point of letting him know that they are non-believers. His reaction to such pronouncements is always the same. I don't care what you believe in, he said. You're entitled to your beliefs, and I'm entitled to my beliefs. But after years of being widely regarded and written off as part of a fringe element of American society, Marlowe and others like him have compiled a significant amount of material on UFOs, referred to in some circles as unidentified aerial phenomena, finally are enjoying an air of respectability, a status that has long eluded them. From congressional hearings to unprecedented Pentagon disclosures to the formation of a NASA study examining the issue, the idea of UFOs being a subject of serious academic pursuit has finally gone mainstream. For the people who think this is relegated to people with tinfoil hats, they haven't been keeping up with the news lately, he said. So basically what this guy is doing, and I'm going to break it down because it goes on forever, is he's creating a national UFO archive records, a record record archives. Sure. Whatever. I guess it's based in his house right now, but he's planning to expand it, and it's it's getting some traction. And I was kind of thinking about it. It's like we have the Congressional Library. we got all sorts of libraries, all sorts of databases, etc. Why not have an actual, like, a center for UFO, UFO-related stories? So how is he getting all of this information to archive? 
I guess it's kind of just like a collection base. Like he's got he's got a network. He's part of all these networks, like probably MUFON or whatever the hell the networks are. So what he's doing is he's compiling like newspaper articles, books, journals, whatever, anything that he can basically hmm. into like a one stop shop. He's basically like a like a glorified UFO librarian, I guess. Gotcha. Will be the best way to. Uh, talk about this interesting now when you think about like the ufo topic it's like there are newspaper articles dating back to the 1800s about ufos in some form or fashion sure so he's probably trying to track down as many of those as possible make sure that there's like an actual preserve right record of it and keeping it all all together and then after that he's probably organizing it based on keywords and area and time frame and whatever set up some type of system some type of database system so like the dewey decimal system exactly and this was in rio rancho is that what you said yep rio rancho new mexico see when i heard rio rancho i know this is kind of stupid but it just seems like uh, an option for a burger on a menu at like (laughs) at like a barbecue restaurant like yeah let me let me get the rio rancho okay with with bacon please and here's uh, our idea we're gonna hook up with this guy Because we're going to Aliens as well. We're going to move to New Mexico. We're going to open up our own burger shop right next to this archive. And we're going to have the Rio Rancho. The Rio Rancho. And then the double Rio Rancho. Yes. Two fucking patties. All right. Two slices of cheese. Perfect. (laughs) Out of this world flavor. (laughs) (laughs) This is our worst episode ever. Oh, okay, well, shit. we are not off to a good start, so Ben, no, we're please, doing good. please save us. What do you got? My first one comes from our favorite, UPI Odd News. Oh, God. Texas Man amasses collection of 24,268 video games. Okay, I saw this one, but I did not click on it because I didn't think it was real. The Texas Man, who holds the Guinness World Record for largest collection of video games, said his collection has now grown to 24,268 games. Antonio Romero Monterio of Richmond was originally awarded the record in December of 2021 when his collection totaled 20,139 video games. Guinness World Record said Montero, I think that's actually how you say it. I apologize. I correct myself. Montero, whose collection spans more than 100 video game consoles, now owns a total of 24,268 games amassing a collection worth an estimated $2.1 million. I'm assuming this guy like, might be a nerd, so I'm going to try and sound like a nerd. Okay. Originally, my connection focused on purchasing and repurchasing some of the games I played in my youth, Montario told Guinness World Records. Slowly expanded to include games I always wanted to play, but hadn't had the opportunity to, and eventually expanded to completing collections for individual systems. Montario Collections also earned him the Guinness World Record titles for largest collection of Xbox items, largest collection of Sega items, largest collection of Nintendo items, and largest collection of PlayStation items. You know, I bet some of that shit in his collection is pretty cool to look at. It's probably pretty cool. I bet he has some really old, like, Nintendo 64 games sure. and shit. The question with all these collectors is always, where do you get the time? And where the fuck do you get the and money? where do you get the money? Like, I don't buy a whole lot of video games. I don't play a lot of video games. Sure. But, like, if he's buying, like, new games, if a lot of these are new games, like Xbox games, some of these games range between 70 and $130 coming yeah. out. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I don't know. so much money I don't know what's this. going on with like, this I, how do you are you actually playing all these I guess like I'm yeah. sure it's not just for playing like I'm sure you know he this, this might be some type of investment you like know? for me I've, I've played every game that I've bought right but I haven't bought a ton of games compared to this guy like I don't think I, I couldn't play that many games in my lifetime 
No, like, I can barely, I can barely get it through anything. I can barely get through like a Halo match these days. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> let alone anything like that demands time or effort. So I don't know. Interesting. I agree. Yeah. I don't think I don't think David Rush can be breaking this world record anytime soon. Don't tempt David Rush because he'll figure it out in like no, two weeks. I don't know about that guy. He'll take all the money that he raised from his STEM, STEM education. education awareness and uh, buy a bunch of games. Anyways, this one this one's a little bit controversial, probably, but I think it's a kind of funny news story. Sure. This was going to come from NewsNation.com. Hmm. States are letting people ban themselves from owning a gun (laughs) in washington state you can ask the state to deny you the right to buy a firearm this first of a kind law was the brainchild of democratic state senator jamie peterson several years ago a pair of law professors approached him with the idea of allowing people to voluntarily give up their gun rights Their basic pitch was, hey, if you give people the power to do this, then folks who know that they are suffering from some sort of mental illness when they have a break, do harm to themselves, would be empowerment to prevent that by getting firearms away from them in advance, he said. The law passed in 2018 allows residents to submit a short form to their county clerk's office in any county in the state. If they change their mind, they have to wait seven days before the county can revoke it. So basically, the idea is to prevent people that think they have a mental illness from buying a gun. But I feel like that is such a narrow segment. They're they're such a you're, you're segmenting the population so narrowly with that. How disengaged is this? This is a senator. This is a state senator. This person was elected. Yes. He came up with this shit. No, the professors came up with it and found the right senator to champion the bill. Unbelievable. I don't even know where to begin with this. So we we talk about the government and the government's role in our lives. Yes. This is asking the government to take away a right that the government doesn't take away right now. <laughs> it's like... I, I can't even wrap my head around the logic. They're trying to say that um, they, they wanted to think that, okay, a person thinks that they're on edge. So they're like, I can't have a firearm. Yeah, it, it's still, it's not going to make anyone not get a firearm just because they're, they banned themselves from getting a firearm. It's the same, it's almost the same type of logic with, like, like criminals are not allowed to have a firearm. Exactly. But, but they're going to get a firearm. And, sure. And, or they're still going to commit violence. And what's even crazier, and this is where the disengagement happens, is if you've ever bought a firearm in a store before, it's not just something you just walk up to the counter, hey, one shotgun, please, right away, sir, have a nice day. It's an intense process. Yeah. Especially in our state. And different states have different laws, but it's not something you just do. You right. get asked about what your intention is with this firearm. You get interviewed. You get background checked. They take your license. They run numbers. You have to sit down at a computer, at least in our state, and fill out the survey. And you have to be very careful about how you fill out that survey or else you're not going to sure. be walking out. You could have a background check. You could have a hold placed on your whatever because, hey, you got pending charges against whatever. They can't release this gun to you right away. Or they have to do an extra level of whatever. Sure. It's not like you just walk in. So this is only, this law only prevents certain people that assume that they have mental illnesses that already wouldn't preclude them from having a firearm in the first place. to preclude those people from being allowed to buy a firearm in only the most legal and upstanding possible way. Where if they showed up anyways in this mental state to any reputable firearms dealer, they they wouldn't wouldn't pass the eyeball check more than likely. Nine times out of ten, these people will not be sold a firearm because, (laughs) hey, 
we have a right and an oath and an obligation to refuse service to people that we don't trust because at the end of the day, our name is assigned to this firearm. Right. So this is an example of people that have never touched a gun. That have never, never bought tried, a gun. Try to go through the process. That are so scared of the process and just the idea of it. Legislating and creating an idea. Now, bear in mind, this isn't exactly an oppressive law. Sure. This is not something that's taken away. It's completely voluntary. It's completely voluntary, but it just shows the level of... Awareness. Awareness, or the lack thereof. <laughs> the lack thereof. And look, the worst the worst part about this is I can guarantee goddamn to you there are people out there, anti-gun oh, yeah. people, that sure. are like, fuck yeah, I'm, going, I'm calling out my senator tomorrow. We're going through the process. I am so anti-gun, I'm going to take away that right. I'm going to give the government that right. And next time they ask me to give up a right, I'm probably just going to sign up for it because that seems like the right thing to do. Unbelievable. Because I am so in line with that, yeah, they that know progressive people are, new and, age. They, they know people will do this too. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I that kind of got away from me. No, that's fine. But I thought that was a <laughs> that is funny. It's hilarious because it's so it's so ridiculous, and it doesn't do anything. This is like the most pointless act of legislation. Like we are wasting our time talking about this. That's how bad it is. Like I want to know how much taxpayer dollars went towards the making of this bill and toward of this of this law, whatever the fuck it is. I'm interested, yes, in that, but I'm also interested in the amount of mental energy that people are giving us. Like we're giving us way too much <laughs> mental energy right now, just talking about it. Yeah, there are people out there like actually like looking up like how do I ban myself from buying a firearm? <laughs> I guarantee you, there's a lot of people out there doing it. Unreal. Anyways, I don't think this is going to go away anytime soon. Probably so, not. That's all I got with that one, though. Watch out if you're in the state of Washington. I guess Virginia's about to add that law to the books as well. Unreal. Here's my second one and my last one. This is coming out of voanews.com. Fossilized teeth of Megalodon, ancestor found in Indian Ocean. Interesting. This is uh, December 10th. Australian scientists have discovered a deep ocean shark's graveyard containing a fossilized teeth of the ancient ancestor of the Megalodon shark. They have also found a new species of shark. The discoveries were made across two expeditions on the research vessel Investigator, which is operated by Australia's National Science Agency and the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization, or the CSIRO. It has explored Australia's newest marine sanctuaries, the Cocos Kneeling Island Marine Park in the remote Indian Ocean, and the Gascone Marine Park off the coast of Western Australia. At depths more than 5 kilometers, researchers have recovered remnants of ancient and modern sharks, including the teeth of a 12-meter-long shark that was closest known relative to the mighty Megalodon. It's considered to have been one of the most powerful predators ever, but it died about 3.5 million years ago. The Voyage Chief Scientist John Keesing told VOA that significant discoveries have been made. From the greatest depths, so this is around 5,000 meters, we have trawled up recent and fossil shark's teeth, he said. So the ones we have found on this trip are from great right sharks and mako sharks. Out of the Cocos Kneeling Islands, they found similar, but in addition, fossil teeth from relative of one of the largest ever sharks, the Megalodon. So that is the ancestor of modern sharks. Sorry, that was kind of hard to read. The search areas in the Indian Ocean are known to have some of the world's most diverse marine life, but researchers believe much of what lies beneath the waves is a mystery. A new type of small striped shark was also discovered in the Gascone Marine Park. 
scientists have said it's unique to Australia, and they have yet to formally describe it or give it a name. The CSIRO has said that about a third of the species of marine life collected on biodiversity survey voyages could well be new to science. There's a little bit more, but basically got the gist of all (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was kind of long. But yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so I'm they, not gonna lie. They, they found some megalodon teeth. I'm not gonna lie. When you said megalodon, I first thought mastodon. So in my head, as you started this, I was thinking it was like an elephant that was swimming in the ocean, like a mammoth <laughs> or a mastodon. Oh no! So it took me a while to kind of catch up <laughs> with what was going on with that story. That's funny. Um, there's always there's always something new going on. You know, as quite Jin said famously in the Phantom Menace, there's always a bigger fish. Always. So the megalodon was one of the biggest fish that we've ever seen didn't they come out with a movie megalodon like like two years ago i think you're thinking about jaws 3 no i've seen jaws 3 this is our own recent movie about the megalodon yeah at least a couple years old i don't know we might have to to say this one for our main topic yeah we will maybe anyways the megalodon is an interesting animal yeah like the dinosaur of sharks if you will yeah that's pretty cool and there's actually a picture we'll have to post on the facebook page definitely this is actually a reconstruction of a megalodon in new york june 2004 that's a picture of a jaw holy shit that'd be the biggest fish we've ever seen unbelievable definitely (laughs) these kids are literally standing inside its mouth that's how big it is it's a huge jaw anyways i got one more real quick one this one's not going to take too long and this one comes from one of our favorites upi odd news right escaped cow runs into virginia doctor's office shit a pair of virginia cow catchers responded to a doctor's office where a 650 pound bovine smashed through the glass doors and entered the building timmy lamb and sam crawford said they rode on horseback to the area where a cow was reported on the loose in orange i guess orange is the city or the community sure the cow had jumped from the back of a trailer and ran down a road to the area around orange family physicians the cattle wranglers said the cow became spooked when they arrived and ran around the building ultimately crashing through the glass doors and entering the office employees ran for cover and lamb and crawford entered the building to lasso the cow in the office you ain't no cowboy if you don't rope a calf out of a doctor's office lamb wrote on facebook the men escorted the cow which was not injured out of the building can't make this stuff up the orange county physicians wrote on facebook Okay. What's going on with cow this Cow catcher? These guys are cow catchers, I guess. Now, the question is, the cow was reported loose in the city, and it was on the road near the physician's office. The cow catchers were called at this point, and somehow in the wrangling efforts, they f- must have fucked something up, because then the cow ended up going in the doctor's office. The first call wasn't, hey, we got a cow in the doctor's office, it's we got a cow in the loose. These assholes hop on their horses trying to wrangle it. <laughs> And somehow it drove it into the doctor's office when they spooked it. That's hilarious. So there's a lot going on with this one. It's not exactly how it appears. Did the did the uh, did the cows injure anyone in the doctor's office? It sounds like there were no injuries. Now there's going to be probably four figures worth at least of damage. Sure. Crashing through glass doors. But number one, who the hell are these guys? And how are they so quick to the scene? <laughs> number two, how yeah, quali- how they get there? How qualified are they if they couldn't have handled this without incident? Because you would think like if you're calling a cow catcher you're thinking these guys are good isn't They're a cow to... catcher a cowboy this is virginia though this is like the wild west oh shit. so i really don't know oh maybe they just got people on board i guess rural virginia is kind of like is this like an actual job like yeah i'm a i'm a cow catcher full-time 
Well, like, like, or do they just, or is this like a really small town where they just call, hey, call up Jim and and uh, and Todd. They can go. Uh, well, it's not Jim and Todd. It's Timmy and Sam. Oh shit! I couldn't <laughs> remember the names. I just. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I couldn't remember the names, but you, um, you know what I mean. I, these guys were quick to the scene, so I'm assuming maybe they're not. Maybe it, maybe if they're not cow catchers, they're doing something that would keep themselves equipped to cow catch. Yeah, at I, a moment's notice. I wonder if Ben Hooper just gave them the name cow catcher. <laughs> Who knows with Ben Hooper these days? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we could go on and on forever with that one, but That's we funny. can't do that because we have a big main topic. We do. We have a main topic. But before we get into that. I gotta give a listener update real quick. Sure. We had a good week, surprisingly. We like we had like thirty six listens yesterday. Nice. Which was before the new episode was up, so that was pretty interesting. And we are on six different continents now. No shit. We had our first listener in South Africa. No this shit. This week. How awesome. Thank so, you. Thank you for listening. We appreciate every single one of our listeners, especially our international ones. It's great to see our show taking off across the globe. Definitely. We're still hot in Germany and we're getting hotter in the UK all of a sudden. So <laughs> We'll take what we can get. Hey, we'll take it. We love you guys. We have hit every single continent. South Africa. Africa was our last continent we had to get to before. We're not going to have a listener in Antarctica more than likely, but Darn. South Africa is pretty close. So we thank you for listening. Please keep listening. Please tweet us at 30 in the. Let us know how you found the show because I don't know what kind of international outreach you and I actually have. Right. Comment on our Facebook page. Yes, but we're getting out there. So I just wanted to give that update real quick. We're doing very well. Thanks for the update, Pat. We appreciate it. Anyways, on to the main topic. What do we got today, sir? Pat, this is going to be your episode. No, it's not. We're going to be talking about our favorite movie characters. Yes, we are. This is Ben's, what, fifth or sixth episode in a row picking the topic. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I was running out of ideas, and I'm just like, well, we've never really done anything movie-related since our spooktaculars. I've been wanting to do a movie-related episode for a long time, but it hasn't really fit. Yeah, it, and we have the spooktaculars, which we should probably we'll probably take those down. We should at least like, mine. We, we should take probably mine down. okay. What we could do is we could redo them with the same content, but do it you and I, and just call it two mini episodes, then reload them. Maybe we'll see. I don't know. The spooktaculars are so bad, though. Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty rough. That Anyways. was early in our uh, podcast career. Yes, we've gotten a lot better since then. Maybe. Anyways. So what's the topic again? Movie. So we're just going to be talking about our favorite movie characters. Yes, our favorite movie characters. Now, these are not necessarily my favorite movie characters. Sure. These are my most interesting movie characters. Okay, I feel that. So we'll see how this goes. i got a couple of crazy ones. Pat's going to have a lot better ones than mine, I can already tell. We'll see about that. Now, I decided to kind of stay away from like the typical ones. Like I'm not going to talk about Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver because every little weirdo out there like identifies with him. Sure. And they're like, oh, he's so edgy. He's so he speaks to me and it's like he doesn't really speak to nearly as many people as people think that they, he speaks to sure i stayed away from some popular ones i'm not gonna talk about han solo or yeah i didn't darth him. vader or, yeah uh fucking boba fett or whatever the hell sure but and i also stayed away from characters that were more established in a book like i'm not gonna talk about frodo yeah i or, did like one of those yeah, the other one I was going to do is Don Corleone, but I decided to stay away from that one. Because it's so, like, iconic and typical. Sure. So, anyways, Ben, since this is your episode, do you want to lead us into this discussion? Sure. This one is definitely iconic and typical, but... This please is... don't be please don't be Harry Potter. No. This is the Joker. Specifically, from the Dark Knight series. Okay. It's one of my favorite antagonists. Especially because I'm, I'm not really into, like, superhero movies. Yeah, I'm not either. But the Dark Knight series was different. It was pretty good. And... <clears throat> 
<clears throat> I don't know if you ever watched like the older Batman movies from like you know the sixties and seventies. <laughs> Michael Keaton and Adam West and yeah, they were they were more like comical. Yeah, right. And yeah. the Dark Knight series just put like a completely different feel to the Joker and the Batman story in general. Sure, this was a more dark and much more sophisticated Joker from any other Jokers that he 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 completely changed. Heath Ledger did a complete. An amazing job with the Joker. Sure. He completely changed the character, in my opinion. I don't know. See, I think Mark Hamill is the iconic Joker, but... Well, he did the voice. Sure. What about Jared Leto? He doesn't get any credit. He was good. I but never he watched was, that movie, so... He wasn't, he wasn't Heath Ledger, though. Sure. And he was not... The Joker in the Dark Knight series just put the evil villain you think a Joker would be. You know what I mean? Like, his humor was scary. Sure. And it was evil. And it was very sophisticated. He was always five steps ahead from the opposition. Always. Sure. So, I don't know. I just love I just love the Joker. I don't love him, but I love the character. He's probably one of my favorite villains in all the movies I've ever seen. Now, what about the He's Joaquin? What about the Joaquin Phoenix version, though? He was he was a great Joker, too, but it just wasn't the same. He, he wasn't like... I don't know. I thought the Joaquin Phoenix was better joker i don't think not not for i'm not gonna lie that joker not, movie. not not it was fantastic but it, it wasn't a superhero movie it was more about the story i don't of the like joker. superhero movies so to me that was a better movie no but the but the joker is historically from the fucking superhero show okay sure am i wrong i, I from from the comic right from yeah, the dc yeah yeah so I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I'm not trying to challenge you. I'm just trying to ask questions here. Sure. Yeah. Because the Joker is a pretty good character. Heath Ledger did a good job with it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I never thought that that character could be brought back in a way that was going to be relevant. And then Joaquin Phoenix jumped in. And I think he drew on a lot of what Heath Ledger was doing. Sure. But to me, that was just like, that was one of the, like, I thought, I thought cinema had died. Like, I thought cinema was dead since, like, Inception. Sure. I was like, there's never going to be a good movie ever made again. And then the Joker kind of proved me, hey, there's actually can be kind of a good movie. Sure. Now, the Joker drew heavily, that, that movie drew heavily on different movies, like Taxi Driver and sure some of the other shit that... It was very emotional. It's very yeah. emotional film. So I get what you're saying. I definitely agree. I think we couldn't really have this discussion without the Joker, so... No, he paved the way for every other Joker after him. Yeah. After that particular Joker. No, I think Mark Hamill does get deserve credit for sure. credit's due. Sure. Jared Leto, I'd say probably not so much. Mm. I never watched Suicide Squad, so. Me neither. Anyways. Who do you got? My first one, and this is from a movie from the 1960s. This is one of my favorite movie characters, though. And the movie is Dr. Strangelove. Love it. But I'm not talking about Dr. Strangelove. Sure. I'm going to be talking about Brigadier General Jack the Ripper. Okay, Who nice. is the main antagonist of that movie. Now, Dr. Strangelove came out in 1964. It was a black and white, black comedy movie. And it essentially revolves the impending Cold War and the potential threat of nuclear warfare. Now, Jack the Ripper is the antagonist of this movie. He is the Brigadier General in command of Strategic Air Command, which is like the Air Force, like... Like the like the punching arm of the Air Force, or I don't even know if it was the Air Force, it was like the U.S. Whatever. Well, it was the the Air Force wasn't established till it, it, it was the 
the Army Air Army Force. Army Air Force. See, I don't know yeah. when the 60s, I don't know when it went and all transitioned into its own branch. It wasn't until after World War II. Yeah, see, the 60s would be 20 years after World War II. Right. Anyways, so this guy is the antagonist of this movie. And as you're watching the movie, you got basically three things going on. You got a plane up in the air flying over Russia, commanded by this guy named Major Kong. And it's a B-52 bomber, which is still in service today. And James Earl Jones is an actor aboard that plane. I think he's probably the last surviving no actor. Shit. I think he's like the last surviving actor from this movie. <laughs> and they are in route. They're a nuclear bomber with a target. And basically their job is to circle the target indefinitely, practically. They got Jack D. Ripper at Strategic Air Command, who's an off-the-rails character. And now he is played by Sterling Hayden, who's also in The Godfather. But this role would have been before he was in The Godfather. Now... The third scene in this movie is the war room below the White House, where all the, the board of uh, the cabinet and all the, the the Joint Chiefs of Staff and everybody, they all meet up. So this Jack D. Ripper guy is an anti-communist. Basically, he's like the predecessor to the modern-day conspiracy theorist. And he believes that the communists, Russia, are trying to impurify the Americans' bodily fluids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read a quote from Jack D. Ripper that's featured in the movie. I can no longer sit back and allow communist infiltration, communist indoctrination, communist subversion, and the international communist conspiracy to sap and impurify all of our precious bodily fluids. So what this guy ends up doing, and it's going to be a spoiler alert, is he recognizes an opportunity within the protocols of nuclear warfare as established by the United States to send out a code to the bombers and be like, hey, I'm a lower level general. The government's been overthrown. It's been compromised. Go bomb the Ruskies. So he sends out that code. (laughs) And then the ensuing movie, the whole plot of the movie is people reacting to the fact that he did this. So he sends his wing attack plan R out to the bombers, which they just get like a radio frequency that says this frequency means go into the code log and read these codes and then open up this, this attack plan, basically. And it's all like basically filed. So you could use very primitive radio communication to give out a wide range of orders. Mm-hmm. And this is the go code. This is the, we're about to bomb our most, the closest target, the closest major target that we have. And we're going to blow shit up and we're going to start World War Three, basically nuclear warfare. So the ensuing movie is, the Rusky, the Ruskies get the call and they're like, hey, you guys, all your bombers that we know are up there because we have radar, all of a sudden they're going to attack their targets. What's going on? Are you guys about to attack us because we didn't attack you? What's going on, basically? So you got the president trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. You got George C. Scott as one of the... the, the, the uh, <laughs> He's the uh, he's a joint chiefs of staff trying to organize what the hell's going on. Uh, Ripper, Jackie Ripper, the guy I'm talking about, seals off Strategic Air Command and the base that he's on, and tells all his men on the base that Russian soldiers dressed as U.S. soldiers are about to attack the base. <laughs> so they start attacking the base. So he creates a miniature battle at the base itself. You got this British officer who's part of the officer exchange program named Group Captain Mandrake is serving as Ripper's number two, and it's this little British guy played by Peter Sellers that's trying to convince Jack. Ripper not to not to do what he's about to do and to set, send the recall code out and this guy he he can't convince Ripper to do it so it goes on and on and on but as you get into this Jackie Ripper guy it basically his whole thing is that he believes that his performance in the bedroom is inadequate for a man and he believes that that's because the communist conspiracy has infiltrated his bodily fluids <laughs> and has taken away his precious essence. <laughs> 
and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper into this. And then when you listen to this guy, he's terrified of the fluoridation of water. Back before that was actually a thing, which is kind of weird. And then he only drinks grain alcohol and rainwater. Like, he won't drink, like, water from the tap. And he's into all, all these crazy conspiracy theories. And... It's like they, they realize they can't do anything about this guy. <laughs> so he seals himself off. He knows he's the only person in the world that knows the code, the recall code for the bombers. And then he kills himself. So the code's gone. And then yep. this group Captain Mandrake tries to like clean up the mess. And he ends up figuring out the code, but it's too late, basically. Right. So that's the movie. It's a I haven't seen it in a long it's, time, but it's a classic. That's I love one of it. my all-time favorite movies. It, it's a I, really good movie. I sit there and I laugh out loud every single time because it's so it, it's a 50, 60, something. Almost a sixty-year-old movie, but so fucking it's, fun. It's great. Anyways, that's Doctor Jack Strange. Ripper. Jack the Ripper is the best character in that movie. It's not George C. Scott. It's not Doctor Strange. It's not the president. Major Kong is a pretty good character, but he's not the best. It's Jack the Ripper. Sure, most interesting character in that movie. Anyways, sorry. Nice. Have you ever seen the movie The Book of Eli? No, I have not. Phenomenal movie. And uh, Eli, played by Denzel Washington, is one of my favorite characters. You know, I think I've heard about this movie before. So basically the movie is set 30 years after a nuclear apocalypse. So Eli hears this voice that he needs to head west with the world's last Bible, right? So obviously this nuclear war happened, all this shit's destroyed, and he has the last known copy of the Bible. Okay. So he travels on foot towards the west coast of what was the United States. Sure. everything's destroyed at this point, And everyone's just kind of like free roaming. Whoever the hell uh, survived. A lot of shit happens in this movie. I'm not going to get into every single solitary detail of this movie. But he meets a lot of shit on his journey to the west coast. And he shows incredible, like... Survival skills, hunting, fighting skills. He defeats an entire group of, like, desert bandits on his own who tries to ambush him and shit. Sure. Now, what makes this character super interesting is ultimately he makes it out um, west with his Bible. And the area which he reaches is Alcatraz. Like, I forget who, like, the people are, but they set up this area where they they try to preserve a lot of what the world left behind sure to try and preserve you know mankind and you know shit like that and they didn't have a copy of the bible okay so he shows up he gives them their bible they get it open and they realize that it's in braille oh, eli Jesus. eli this is a spoiler obviously but eli was blind the whole time through the whole movie he had no idea and he memorized the entire bible in braille and he was able to recite the entire Bible to where they can put it back in English with a printing press and reprint the Bible. Oh, my God. I thought that was absolutely crazy. Sure. Now, I think, if I remember, because it's been some years since I watched the movie, but I think there's a scene where you'd figure out he's blind prior. Sure. But you don't realize that he remembered it. He remembers the entire Bible. Sure. Because he, you know, he reads it in Braille through, I don't know how many years that he had the Bible, ever since he was on his own. So it's a really good movie. It's very interesting. A lot of action fighting scenes. I think Mila Kunis is in it too. Okay. I'd watch it now. Right. And um, yeah, it's awesome. It's a really good movie. Sounds like it. Anyways, I don't have anything to add. I've never seen that movie before. Yeah, you should. You should go see it. I might have to. Now, this one, this is going to be my controversial character of the day. Sure. Have you ever seen the movie Basic Instinct? Mm -mm. It's a 1992 film starring Shannon Stone and Michael Douglas. And Shannon Stone plays a character named Catherine Trammell. It might be Trammell. I can't remember how it went. It's been a while since I've seen this movie. Now, this movie is off the rails in many different ways. It's very popular because Shannon Stone, this is back when she was 
like like the hottest thing in Hollywood, basically. And she's like ridiculous looking. Like she's very appealing, if you will. Sure. And in this movie, she plays this character named Catherine Trammell, who is uh, she's a wealthy heiress and she's a successful crime novelist. So basically, in the beginning of the movie, you see two people embarking in an act that they would do behind closed doors. And as you're watching what's going on, the woman ends up taking something and starts stabbing the guy and then murders the man in this. So that's how the movie opens up. And it's pretty clear it's Shannon Stone doing this. So then it cuts to the crime scene and the investigators and whatnot. It turns out that this guy's a, he's a rock star, but he's also a philanthropist in the community and whatnot. So it attracted a lot of attention because it's a famous guy that got murdered. Michael Douglas is like the lead investigator on this, this case or whatever. And they get a tip that the way that this murder happened was exactly like the murder of a local or the murder that was depicted in the novel written by a local novelist who writes crime novels who's played by Shannon Stone who's this Kathleen Tremell character so this murder happens and it's just like the murder that happened in this Kathleen Tremell book so they're like okay this is weird <laughs> let's go investigate this and it's pretty clear from the get-go when you're watching the movie it's pretty clear that she's the murderer she's the bad person in this entire thing but she's very good at convincing these guys to like look the other way basically and michael douglas is this like recovering alcoholic detective who is kind of like he's like on his like last legs with the police department because he killed some people when he was high on cocaine and somehow that got cut under the rug and whatever so she just basically fucks with his head the entire time and it's like there's a lot going on she's a serious killer who's been doing this stuff and when you read her books there's a bunch of crimes that are connected to like what her books are doing but she's always able to get away with it because she's rich she's good looking and she's always able to just wiggle her way out of these crimes so as the movie goes on it becomes kind of cat and mouse because it's clear that michael douglas knows who she is but she keeps digging up shit on him to basically keep him from investigating the case fully and then uh they end up like hooking up for a while <laughs> in the middle of this so always she, somehow she, she's hooking up with a cop that's investigating her for murder basically and it turns out that her inheritance her the thing that made her very wealthy in the first place that she more than likely killed her parents to get the money but they can't ever actually pin anything on her and there's some famous scenes where it's like they're like investigating her and she like doesn't crack under under the pressure of like the spotlight and whatever and it gets out of hand and at the end of the movie it's like i think she ends up killing michael keaton at the end of the movie but it's like you're never going to catch this person she can keep killing whoever the hell she wants and she's been depicted as like hannibal lecter level of evil and cunning as a serial killer. And then I guess they made a Basic Instinct 2, which I didn't actually watch. Hmm, I'll but look that up. It's like the same exact shit over and over again. Now, it's a little bit... It's not a family movie. It's not one you want to watch with the kids around or whatever. Sure. But it's it's one of those... It's like you watch it because it's famous for certain reasons. But it's like there's a lot going on with this movie. And this woman is fucking crazy. And it really is kind of the scariest movie I've ever seen, in a way. Damn. So, I want to watch that. So Sounds Catherine really Trammell, good. one of the craziest characters ever... I don't even know if I'd say she's one of my favorites, but it's it's off the walls. So, anyways. So wait, Pat, you're not gonna like this one, but you ever heard of Samwise Gamgee? Jesus Christ. Um. See. Sure. So Samwise Gamgee is a true friend and a partner who loves his master Frodo more than anything in the world. So <laughs> Samwise. G- <laughs> Samwise Gamgee uh, is played by Sean Astin, I think. 
yes. in the Lord of the Rings series. See, here's the thing about Sam. You realize, that, yeah, he kind of starts off as like this kind of silly, bubbly character who's just kind of kind of acts tough, but not really. And sure. he's just there as a kind of like a servant to Mr. Frodo to aid him on his quest to Riven- Rivendell as what they do in the, the Fellowship of the Ring in the very first movie. Sure. Well, you start to realize after the last movie, none of this shit turns out right without Sam. Sam is the catalyst of this movie. Nothing like he. he I don't the, know if the, he's the, the catalyst. <laughs> Maybe not that far. The but the ring, pretty... the, the ring does not get destroyed without Sam. Because okay. Frodo does not destroy the ring without Sam. Okay, I'll give you that. So those filthy and, little hobbitses. And you see his character development plain as day. It's probably the. Probably the best character development in the in the movies. Sure, it's up there. Besides the other two hobbits, uh, Merry and Pippin, they have really good character development. So well. he's a third out of four. Third out of four. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, when, when, when Sam, I mean, when Frodo starts to get absorbed by the ring, Sam's the one that's level-headed. Sure. When he starts to get manipulated by Smeagol, Sam is the one that is still there for Frodo, driving him in the right direction. Saves him from the fucking spider. He, uh, what else? He, he saves him in multiple scenarios. Sure. When they're about to go into Mordor, it was Sam that was motivating Frodo to get up the mountain. Like, yeah. n- none of this happens without Sam. I'm sorry. Sure. He's one of my favorite characters. I love The Lord of the Rings. Probably my favorite series of movies of all time yeah i know you love those movies they're fantastic anyway samwise samwise gamgee one of my favorite characters yeah and we could put rudy rudiger into this category as well also played by sam sean sean astin i'm just saying rudy what rudy rudiger what movie is that rudy oh i've never seen it you haven't seen rudy i don't know you have no. not seen rudy i have not seen rudy nope. are you shitting me? i told you i have not i'd have not watched a lot of movies in my life you haven't seen rudy i've told you this with uh, the Mandalorian director. What the hell is that guy's name? I have not seen Rudy. John John Favreau. I haven't seen Rudy. Where Rudy goes and he plays at Notre Dame. I haven't seen Rudy. Sorry. You're, you're fucking with my head right now. I'm you not... haven't seen Rudy? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, there are a lot of movies that I have not seen that you would freak the fuck out. But Rudy is like... Yeah, it's classic. I need to see it. I haven't just I just have not seen it. Alright, anyways. On to the next person. Have you ever heard of the dude? The dude. This is uh Big Lebowski. Yes, it is. My favorite movie and my favorite movie character of all time. They say there's a man for every time and place, and that was the dude in Los Angeles back in nineteen ninety one or whatever. According to the narrator of the movie, who is never named. The dude is a slacker in his late forties, early fifties, who doesn't have a job. And he enjoys his weed, he enjoys his white Russians, and he loves bowling. Bowling is his passion. <laughs> now, the dude had an interesting career back in the day. He uh, he was in the junior ROTZ in college, briefly. Uh, he was part of the Seattle 7. It was him and six other guys. Uh, he was a co-author of the Port Huron Statement, and he briefly was a roadie for Metallica. What an interesting guy. Now, this isn't in the movie, but according to the writers of the movie, and they never disproved this, is that the dude would, they wrote him as the heir to the Rubik's Cube fortune. <laughs> Though the funny thing is, is that the person that invented the Rubik's Cube is still alive today. No so shit. that wouldn't have made any sense. <laughs> now, the dude is, he's just a dude. I mean, that just is who he is. He's played by Jeff Bridges. I don't know if you know Jeff Bridges. Mm-hmm. And he kind of just exists in Los Angeles. You know, he's late on his rent. He can't really pay his bills, etc. He drinks his white Russian too much. He's always out bowling. He's got two friends named Walter and Donnie who also bowl with him. 
And he's kind of a mellow, kind of a hippie, like a burnout hippie type. Sure. And one day, he's basically, he comes home from uh, Ralph's. He had to get a thing of, a thing of cream, like a, like a carton of cream for his white Russians. And he comes home, and he just immediately gets a shit beat out of him. And he's thrown into his toilet. And these guys are saying, we want the money. And he's like, what the hell is going on here? And they keep screaming that they want the money. They want the money, Lebowski. And they keep screaming that his wife owes money. Now, the dude, obviously guy with this is probably not married. And he's not married. And he's, like, trying to explain to them. He's like, you guys got the wrong guy, man. I'm the dude. I'm not Jeffrey Lebowski, even though that is his real name. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody calls him that. Everybody just calls him the dude. And then the one guy pisses on his rug. Ah. And just ruins his rug. Now, that rug really tied the room together. <laughs> and this sets the dude off on a quest for restitution for sure. the damage of this rug. And he gets launched into this neo-noir back-and-forth investigative series where supposedly, like, he has to, like, claim this woman that got kidnapped. And he has to find him for somebody. And he's just trying to get his rug back. Like, he wants his rug replaced, basically. Sure. And he gets hooked up with these crazy characters, including this guy named The Big Lebowski. Jeff- another guy named Jeffrey Lebowski. He has some like rich billionaire supposedly, and he gets hooked up with this other guy named Jackie Treehorn, who's a uh, adult film producer. And this guy apparently has a lot of money, and he's got a stake in what's going on. And then you got the Knutsons, who's this family looking for their daughter. He gets involved with them for a little bit. Then you got this band, these like nihilists from Germany, and this guy named Uli Kunkel. He's in the mix. And then you got this kid named uh, uh, Larry Sellers ends up stealing the dude's car. It's a very complicated case. Like there's a lot of ins, a lot of outs what have you is going on with this but the dude is just kind of like the detective trying to solve what's going on and if this sounds complicated it is complicated because the movie is very complicated there's a lot going on with this movie but as you watch it you realize that there's nothing going on (laughs) seriously there's like there's like no consequences like there could be like a like a shootout or like a crazy thing that happens and there's like no consequence of it sure you can think of these people are always out to get everybody else but then it's like they're just like oh let's just go bowling and they just go bowling and you realize nobody actually is on top of anything that's going on that's funny and the dude is not on top of any of it so he just is kind of like existing in this chaos realm that all started <laughs> with these guys pissing on his rug like if that guy didn't piss on his rug he probably wouldn't have cared that he got the shit beat out of him in his own house right as long as they didn't come back <laughs> but that rug really tied the room together and it set everything off in the motion and next thing you know the greatest movie that's ever been made was made <laughs> So that's the dude. That's the dude in a nutshell. I could go on and on and on with him. Uh, easily the best character of all time. Easily one of the most iconic. Sure. One of the funniest movies I've ever seen. My yeah, favorite movie. I need to see it again. It's been Anyways. a very long time since so I watched The Big Lebowski. Uh, what else you got today, sir? I'm going to do one more. Uh, I might have a couple of honorable mentions, but I'm going to run through this guy real quick. Sure. I have long feared that my sins have returned to visit me. I knew this one was coming. And the cost is more than I can bear. <laughs> Pat, you know who I'm talking about. Benjamin oh, yes, Martin. I do. Benjamin Martin. Benjamin Martin from the movie The Patriot. Ben's favorite movie since he's been about four. <laughs> it's not true. But it is one of my favorite movies. One of my favorite characters played by Mel Gibson. I think this was a 2001 movie or 2000. Now, cor- correct me if I'm wrong. Was this the movie that you were named after? Yes. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I was born in 95 got it so this would have been maybe they named the character after you sure okay anyways but um one thing i love about the patriot just as a movie you you know i love american history i haven't seen another like revolutionary war movie like the patriot i don't think any of them can top it no you're right about that that was a it was a cinematic masterpiece as far as i'm concerned yeah they haven't really made anything like it since not that i know of yeah really that that movie does capture something that a lot of war movies really struggle to do yeah 
especially yes. for the patriotism going on and the history. It's not necessarily historically accurate, but it certainly no. isn't historically inaccurate either. Some of the names are accurate, and some, um, I mean, some of the years of the certain battles they talk about are a lot are of it's accurate. a lot of it's accurate. It's not it's not a historically inaccurate movie. Sure, but Benjamin Martin he uh, he fought in the uh, French and Indian War, and he he gathered up a really big reputation from his style of fighting and just his passion in the French and Indian War. So he was hounded by the Continental Army when it was time to fight the British in the Revolutionary War to gain independence. Sure. But, you know, he was a family man. He wanted to keep his family away from the war. He knew what war was. He lived it. And um, even though he understood principles and always wanted to stay the course, Benjamin Martin always always put his family first. And he, one of my favorite quotes, I don't think, uh, uh, if you remember with the general in the tent when his son Gabriel was killed, his second son Gabriel was killed. And he said, I'm a parent. I don't have the luxury of principles. Yep. It's one of my favorite. Favorite lines from Benjamin Martin. But um, he has this tomahawk that comes at some of the, the best times in the movie. Some of the bloodiest times. The bloodiest times in the movie. Um, he completely just butchers this one dude. I don't even know where to begin with that whole situation. But uh, if you guys have not seen The Patriot, that is a movie that you guys all need to see. Yeah, it's definitely... It, 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 that's up there. That's one of the best movies that's ever been made as far as I'm concerned. I agree. Now, I like the character in and of itself. I find something really compelling about the idea of the retired almost a semi-retired warrior yes who's had his streak of just complete badassery but it's in his past and he's really reluctant to return but when he returns it's yeah. like it's like full force yes just it, it's just the best is yet to come kind it, of it's so badass and yeah in the way he um uh creates the militia and how they travel around and they're just kicking the british's ass at every part of yeah. where the fuck the british were trying to conquer and uh just a great movie mel gibson does great and i love mel gibson as an actor sure he's even a better director sure but uh yeah it's like with that movie it's like it's clear that this character is the only person up for this job the only yes. person you can have <laughs> it's like anybody else is not gonna be able to do nearly as much as what they need this militia to do because the militia is just a small part of the, the war effort but it could become a very important part if the right person's in charge or it could become worthless right and he takes it and he does not only what they needed it to do but much more he takes it and he turns the militia into not just a buffer zone which is what it was originally intended to be but an actual focal point of the attack right and they were on the front lines they were at the front line yeah, in the like, very last battle it's like the militia it wasn't even the focal point of the attack it was a focal point of the war effort at one point yes and the story is based bits and pieces upon different revolutionaries there's a couple of characters out there that you can kind of sort of see similarities between benjamin martin and these people sure but there really isn't one person that would stand up as the basic model for that in history so sure anyways that's an excellent one Yep, Benjamin um, Martin. You got any more uh, movie characters you want to talk about? I mean, there's a couple of honorable mentions I can mention. Uh, Kaiser Sose. Yeah, I was thinking about doing him. The Unusual Suspects. But I don't even want to talk about him because I feel like that just spoils the entire movie. It spoils the entire movie. That's why I was in the middle of writing his shit down, then I stopped and I yeah. put a bunch of question marks. I was like, I might mention him, but... But The Usual Suspects, that's a 1995 film that phenomenal has... Phenomenal film. Uh, Benicio Del Toro. Yep. Um, um, Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey, a couple other guys. Uh, it's Stephen Stephen Baldwin, Stephen Baldwin. Mm-hmm. The Usual Suspects is one of those movies that it comes off as of just one of those '90s action movies, basically. But that is such a good movie, and most people it's, don't give it credit. It's got the biggest twist that I've seen in some movies. Yeah, that 
Usual Suspects is one that you sit down and you actually give it give it a shot. Twenty minutes in, you're gonna be hooked into it. You're not gonna yep. be able to stop watching. Hundred percent. So that's a good one. One I had real quick is Dave Killer Carlson from Slapshot. I don't know if you have ever seen Slapshot, the nineteen seventy seven nope. hockey movie. Killer Carlson is his character. His first name is Dave, and he's introduced at the beginning of the movie. He's sitting in the booth at a hockey game. Now he's a player on the team, but he's not playing that day. And the announcers are like, "So, what are you nursing a knee injury or something?" And he's like, "No." I got a cold. I'm not playing today. So they're making fun of this guy because he's kind of mild-mannered and weird and nerdy. And as the movie goes on, the hockey team, it's a minor league hockey team set in Charlestown, which is a fictional town based in, like, like Pennsylvania or somewhere. Charlestown? We're going to Charlestown? Yes. <laughs> the Charlestown Chiefs. And as this movie develops, you got these characters that turn into, like, just like hockey team, and they turn into, like, thugs really quickly. And then Dave Carlson gets into a fight at one point, and he decides that he wants his name to become Killer. And he just embraces <laughs> the montage. And at one point, Paul Newman, who's the captain of the team, is like, go get him, Killer! And it, it's kind of good, so... That's funny. Dave Killer Carlson. He's my favorite player on that on that team. A lot of movies I need to see. Yes. Anyways, anything else you got? Any other honorable mentions? Not really. I mean... Um, you could do so much with this topic. Like Maximus from Gladiator. Yeah, one of my favorite he was characters. one I was going to talk about. Uh, again, yes. kind of the reluctant warrior. Kind of kind of the reluctant warrior because he didn't yep. want to be a gladiator. But I was going to talk about Ellen Ripley from Alien, the Alien franchise. Because mm-hmm. she gets kind of sucked into all sorts of nonsense. Sure. It's like you end up in these ridiculous scenarios and she always ends up being like the only level-headed person dealing with these fucking aliens. Then she ends up going to jail with Tywin Lannister. <laughs> <laughs> So that kind of goes off the rails. But. Well, he always pays his debts, so. Yeah, not in that movie. Not in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm not going to lie, I haven't seen the whole thing, so I don't know how it ends. Dude, but. it's been so damn long since I've seen it, any of the Alien movies. It's been so long since I've watched a movie. I actually I actually watched a movie for the first time um, a couple of nights ago. I watched I it. Did, yeah. I, wa- I watched The Untouchables. I watched, uh, oh, I haven't seen that one in a while. I watched Clerks 3. I got it for my birthday last week. So I was like, I got to watch this. And it kind of made me depressed. I'm like, these characters I've been watching for 30 years, 29 years, are like old and decrepit now. Right. So Was it good though? Honestly, I don't know. I still don't know how I feel about that movie. I wasn't happy with what I saw. It was a good movie. I'm happy I watched it. But Which one is your favorite? I think the, the second one's really good. The first one's my favorite. The second one's my second favorite. The third one's my third favorite. Clerks? You're talking about Clerks? Yeah. Yeah. Was I the, the whole Lord of the Rings bit and Star Wars bit, that was in the second one, right? Yeah, the second one. That one, that's fantastic. The second <laughs> one has some of the funniest. The second one has some of the funniest, like, five-minute scenes ever. Yeah. Like, I don't know how the hell they got away with it. The first one, though, is just, it's just a classic. Yep. The third one doesn't really have those scenes. It's more of, like, an emotional, like, kind of the end-of-the-road type. Sure. And I don't know. It wasn't bad. Like, they brought back a lot of the old actors, but... That's good. I don't know. Anyways, I was going to do one of the characters on that, but I'm not going to do it. I was going to talk about Jay and Silent Bob as well. Those guys are pretty funny, but... Anyways, any more characters? Nope, that's basically it for me. That was an interesting topic. That's probably one we could definitely revisit. Oh, yeah, definitely. I decided to do some of, not only my favorite characters, but some of the craziest characters that I've seen. Some that are most, like, the most memorable. Sure. And uh, we could go on and on and on. We could have talked to, like, Citizen Kane and Lawrence of Arabia. Like, uh, The Wizard of Oz. You ever seen that movie, 12 Years a Slave? No. The main character in that movie is awesome. Love that movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. Sure. I've only seen it once, but fantastic. There's just 
We can just go on and on and on. There's so many. So many. Anyways, on that note, it's probably time to wrap this one up. Definitely. Uh, please tweet us at 30 in the. Please let us know some of your favorite movie characters of all time. Yeah, let us know on our Facebook page. If you've got any comments on any of the characters that we've discussed, please tweet us. Please talk about it on Facebook. Please share the Facebook posts. We're getting back into the swing of things. We're actually getting likes on some of these Facebook posts. Yeah. I don't know where these likes are coming from. I don't know if you paid for an ad that I didn't hear about. But we're getting some weird, we're getting some action. I think I boosted one post. Recently? Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. I was just like, eh, it was like five bucks. Sure. So I was like, fuck it. What harm will it do? Well, I guess we're going to find out. But the other one, the the other one, I didn't boost, and that had the most action. Really? So, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Just please keep liking the show. Please comment on Facebook. And share it. And share it. Yes, please share it. We're not getting any shares. We got to get some shares, so... (laughs) Please share it with your friends. Uh, anyways, on that note, um, thank you guys for listening. Probably about time to get the hell out of here. So Peace. On to the news. How many news stories you got? I brought three. I'm confident you're going to have at least one of these, though. Okay. Well, you can get started because I only have two. Awesome. My first one comes from Yahoo. And this is going to be via the Daily Times. I guess Yahoo, I guess what they're doing these days is they're copying word for word other news websites. So they kind of put like the news website in quotation marks. But they're trying to post it as their own. Sure. So I don't know what's going on with that. And this is one, this alludes to a topic that I had prepped up a couple weeks ago as a news story that I didn't actually make it. I didn't get a chance to talk about it. But this is a new news story talking about that topic. (laughs) anyways that was funny new rio rancho ufo organization hopes to open center for scholarly research so yeah you're right about that but but yeah i don't have a whole lot of good nfl talk today i'm sorry that's all right me neither College football, though, I really thought they should have knocked TCU out and brought Bama in. You think? The Big 12. They didn't win the Big 12. You can't win the fifth best conference. You are the second best school in the fifth best conference. Yeah. Sure, Alabama didn't go to the championship either, but they're better. Sure. It should have been Alabama and Georgia. One and four for the true SEC championship, and then Ohio State and Michigan two and three for the true Big Ten championship. That's what it should have been. Yeah, Ohio State's lucky. USC lost, that's for sure. Uh, but I don't know. I was I was low key kind of. I wasn't surprised that they put Ohio State in there, but I don't think who else they, were you gonna put in there. Well, they they did it mainly for money reasons. Are you kidding me? If they're if happens, they were doing it, if they were really doing it for money reasons, it should have been Bama and Georgia. Get TCU out of there because they could not win absolutely the fifth not. best conference. If they they could not win dude, the fifth best conference. If Ohio State and Michigan end up being in the national championship, this will be the that would be the game of the fucking century. But here's what you're doing though. That that would get more. It would get more. That would get it more would get views get more, than the Super Bowl. But are you telling me that that is worth more than the surefire opportunity to put them up against each other in the playoffs? 
you're giving a 100% opportunity. 100%. If you put Michigan and Ohio State 2-3, you get TCU out of there because they don't belong to begin with. You bring sure. Bama in. That is a 100%. You have a 100% chance that Ohio State and Michigan are going to play yeah, round two I, I mean, for I the guess first that, time ever. I guess that's two. Now you're rolling I guess that's on true. But, Ohio State beating Georgia, who is much better than Ohio State is. Yeah. And but, Michigan winning, which who knows if they can beat TCU. They probably can't. But... Ohio State has been the underdogs before and won. Nobody thought they were going to beat Bama in 2015. Bama was a better team in 2015. But Ohio State beat them. Sure. This could be set up just like that. Now, yes, a for sure, I understand that scenario. Yeah. But the national championship is just such that much bigger of a game. Okay, I'm sorry. It would get more views in the Super Bowl. It would be the most viewed football game ever. I'm telling you right it now. It probably would be. <laughs> it, it had 17 million views but, just for the regular season okay, game this year. Okay, give me a percentage. Give me a percentage then. What is the percentage chance that that actually happens? That Ohio State knocks I mean, off Georgia? Honestly, low. At, 5%? 5%? If you look at it right now, the way they've been playing, Georgia is obviously the best team in the country. I don't think anyone's going to beat Georgia. Sure. Okay, but... There is a small chance Ohio State plays really well and beats them. They, sure. They've done it before. Sure. So, I don't know. 